Do we have anybody for Kingdom Club? Sorry. Anybody? Anybody at all? You're going to be down there by yourself at the Pierce Adelaide. <laughs> You're welcome to go. A friend of mine um, did uh, security uh, in Vermont. Uh, and uh, he talked about uh, one day he was just casing a, a, a client's uh, one night. Uh, they had a, a store at the mall, and he kind of would drive around the mall and uh, just look at this one particular storefront because that was his client. And uh, as he was going around, he, he noticed a car that's parked there, and he's like, that's strange. So he came back a little bit later in the night. It was still parked there, and well, being a security guard, he doesn't really have any legal rights, so he called whenever he thought something was suspicious, out-of-state plates, and he thought, mm, I'll just report this to the police. He knew everybody on the police force, small town. And uh, so, he, uh, so he called them, and uh, so he, he found out a little bit later some things that had happened after he called. And um, uh, the, I don't remember the exact uh, uh, timeline, but... Uh, an older gentleman uh, in, on the police force went. He has training a, a rookie, and uh, so the uh, they they kind of went and was like a, you know just kind of standard protocol. Here's a car. Someone's left an abandoned car, whatever. And um, so yeah, uh, they came there, and, and there was they saw some people. They I don't know if they did a stakeout or what, but but they they couldn't find the stolen plates or something was going on. And so so anyway, they finally found this couple. And they were going out to their car. And, uh, and so they said, is this your car? And said, yeah, this is our car. And uh, so I'm like, um, I'm going to need some ID. Well, I don't have my ID. The, there's a, uh, the lady says, I, I, have, I have my ID in the glove compartment. Can I go get it? The young officer, he says, uh, no, you can put your hands on the car. I will go look in your glove compartment. And she's like, really, it's not a problem. And he's like, put your hands on the problem. The older gentleman was kind of like looking at the kid like, oh, my goodness. Now, here we are in a small town. It's just, you know, I mean, 15,000 people. Would you please? There was a gun in the glove compartment. And the, the two people were on America's Most Wanted. She had murdered several cops in New York City. And uh, here's this, uh, this young, young whippersnapper police officer doing things by the book, saved the lives of, of himself and, and this other officer, most likely. Uh, the reason I tell you that story is sometimes familiarity breeds carelessness with things. You just kind of get used to doing things. You ever hurt yourself doing something that you've done over and over again, and you know how to do it, right? And it, you're using a power tool, and you're just kind of used to it. And, and uh, you know, uh, my if you look at my wife's, uh, father's fingers, you'll notice that they're usually wrapped with duct tape. Right? It's, it's usually, we're not sure exactly how much of the fingers under the duct tape actually remain, um, but we're, we're, we sometimes get careless around things that we are very familiar with, and, and the Bible's the same way. Sometimes uh, we get careless with, with stories that we're very acquainted with, and we're going to... Um, read a text today as we're, we're going through these times that, that Jesus had dinner with people. And, and it's a text in which um, people have kind of taken the wrong lesson because the lesson is so obvious. Um, and 
we've started this series saying that we're trying to get away from the main lesson. Those are so obvious. We are going to, in, in, in this particular case, we're going to have to walk back over this, this lesson uh, be, because so many times the wrong lesson has been taken from it. And, and I hope as we go through this to try to deepen our, our appreciation for the people involved in this. Uh, it's not that the lesson becomes useless, but, but sometimes just that uh, we've, we've made it um, not quite accurate. Let me give you an example. Um, how many of us have, have ever said something like, well, money is the root of all evil? Right? Have you ever heard someone say that? Like, wait, slow down. We, we, sometimes people have, have become so used to that phrase that they've kind of oversimplified it. And it's like, wait a minute, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But, but we can become so, so used to it that we just kind of simplify it. Right? Thou shalt not kill. No. No. Thou shalt not murder. Big difference. Big difference. Right? We can become used to things. So, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, beginning, it says, Now it happened when they went, as they went there, they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with her serving, with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Martha has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And I want to first talk about the lesson that is frequently taken from this. First of all, we have implications of Martha's salvation, almost as though she's unspiritual. Because she has chosen to serve. As though she's in some dire spiritual condition because of this. That's not in here. We'll see that as we go. We also have implications that perhaps Martha was not concerned about spiritual things at all. Because she's chosen to serve. In order to get the best lesson out of this. I, I want to go through this and, and read this as it is and, and understand what it's saying. It's kind of look at the, uh, the internal pieces of this. It says, first of all, it says that Mary has chosen that good part. And I want to notice that Jesus is using a metaphor. This is a portion. He's, she's chosen a good portion. Martha is serving a meal. She's obviously serving an elaborate meal. There's much serving going on. And, and Jesus draws the illustration here to the meal. 
to these various courses or, or, or to maybe, uh, you know, we talked about, we, we gave you the layout of how a meal would, would be and how the, the guest of honor would be at the center. And everyone would be kind of around him, arranged dearest to, to furthest away, right? Uh, and, and so you would give the guest of honor the best portion. It might be a little bit bigger. It might be a nicer cut of meat if you were having meat, something like that. But you would show respect to, to that person. And, and, uh, and he says, Mary has chosen the best part. He didn't say that she's chosen the only part. He didn't deride Martha for serving. He does not do that here. He just says, Mary has chosen a, a good part. There is no implication that the things that Mar- Martha has chosen to do are insignificant. The specific nature of the contrast. What is the specific nature of the contrast? Is that it's not going to be taken away from here, down here in verse 42. In other words, it's eternal. He says, Mary has chosen something that's going to be with her forever. How many of you have eaten out in the last month? Okay. How many of you have eaten out at a really nice restaurant in the last month? Okay. Now, I'm not talking about McDonald's. I know Mike thinks that that's good eating, right? (laughs) How many of you remember what you had? Okay. I remember a meal uh, I had uh, way back in Vermont. Uh, I remember a couple of meals. Uh, Went out, friends invited us out to a restaurant, and I had prime rib. It is the first and the last time I've had prime rib, because I don't spend that much money on meat. I am not going to do that. They were they were buying. I was I was eating. I'm good with that. And uh, I remember that. But you know what? I've only thought about that meal in the last 20 years about five times. Wow, yeah, I remember that. I I don't remember. I don't think about that. I mean, whole portions of a decade go by without me thinking about that. Right? And that was probably one of the best meals I've ever eaten. But when Mary eats, she's going to eat something that's going to become a part of her. She's chosen that good part that can't be taken away. They're going to eat this meal. You're going to eat a wonderful meal. By by, I don't know what meal you ate and where it was in this last month at that wonderful meal. But I'm telling you about within a half an hour of the time you finished it, you weren't thinking about the food you just ate. I don't care how good it was. You were thinking about something else. All of the preparation that Martha is doing, Jesus is not insulting her. He's just saying, it's temporary food. But but Mary has chosen something that I'm I'm, I'm not forcing her to... I'm sure after dinner he said, Mary, go help her with the dishes. I'm just guessing that Jesus said that. But right now, we can put this on pause. And she wants to listen to something that's not going to be taken away from her. I'm not going to tell her no. We often read Bible stories just like that, like they're stories. 
And, and beyond the, the details that we're given, we, we almost act like there's no details. Now, we could invent a lot of things, and, and that's called historical fiction. And we might be right, but there are a lot of times that, that we understand that, that these were real people with real things, and sometimes the Bible gives us some insight into these things, just to illustrate that these are real people. In 1873, there's a cave discovered on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is right between Jerusalem and Bethany. And there's a road that kind of wanders around there and goes into Jerusalem. Now this cave uh, was excavated uh, by a man uh, by the name of Claremont Ganon. He was a one of the foremost um, archaeologists at the time, and especially with regards to Palestinian antiquities. Uh, that was his area of expertise. So he went through and he's dating things, and these, based on the coinage, you know, people buried with coins or whatever, they can tell when they were buried. Middle of the first century. And in this, it's interesting, is all of these, these, these caskets, they have something either etched or drawn on them, almost all of them. There's crosses and there's references to Jesus and references to the Savior. These are Christian burial sites. Right? And they're called an ossuary. An ossuary would be, you didn't necessarily have a lot of money for your own plot of ground, so, so you got, a bunch of people might get together and get a little cave or get something temporarily or permanent, whatever, and you'd put a whole bunch of caskets in there. And, and uh, in this particular one, I don't know, but there are three caskets bearing the names of Mary, Martha, and Eleazar, which is at Lazarus. Now, I don't know that Mary, we know, thank goodness, how, how many Marys are there in the Bible, right? A lot of them. I don't read too many other Marthas. There are, Eleazar was a popular priest's name and various things like that. But that is interesting to me middle of the first century, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right near Bethany. That's, Bethany's not a big town, by the way. Bethany would be like um, a couple of these little subdivisions right around us. That would be Bethany. That's narrowing it down a little bit, wouldn't you say? These were real people. These aren't just stories. So, as we go to this story, I want to see what Jesus does address with regards to Martha. First, look at her accusation. What does she say to Jesus? And she's kind of done this a little bit. She's going to do this again when, when Lazarus dies. But Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Human tendency is to draw conclusions from what we have available, what information we have available, we draw conclusions about people's motives, don't we? Right? You have kids. If you have kids, you, you've, you've done this a number of times. Well, she wants to do this. It's like, oh, you read her mind now. Well, she, she, she doesn't like this. Or she do oh, you can read their mind. That's am it's amazing. How do you know? She just wants to hurt me. He just wants to do this so I can't do this. Really, you can read his mind now. Amazing. You know what his motives are. Just by something that happened. 
You don't think maybe he forgot or he did, you know, something happened that that might mean that he doesn't have the bad motives you are implying he has. But we go first to the motives. And, and, and Martha goes first to the Jesus you don't care. Don't you care that I'm all alone in the kitchen? And Jesus doesn't really even correct her on that. I find that interesting. He doesn't scold her. I hear this in perhaps a slightly different tone. And as Jesus does, he just skips over that. And he goes to what Martha needs. And we draw a lesson here from her discontentment, really. Notice that Jesus doesn't tell her to put down the food and come sit down like Mary. You notice he doesn't do that. So we, we can't draw implications about how spiritual she is or isn't because she's serving. He doesn't insult her service be, because why? Romans 12 is going to list service as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. She's doing what she's chosen to do and, and, and serve God the way she wants to serve God and he's fine with that. Her problem is that she wants everybody else to do things the way she would do them. I have chosen to serve God this way. You need to too. I'm interested in this ministry. You need to be too. And God says, no, 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 no. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? That's what Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, that's what it's all about. Why in the world would, would God compose such a, a wonderfully diverse body and then make everybody exactly the same? Martha has chosen this, or Mary's chosen this, you've chosen that, can you be content with what you've chosen? And then he addresses something that I think is very important. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you are troubled about many things. Now, when I read this, I don't think he's saying, Martha, you're worried about the main course, you're worried about the appetizers, you're worried about the seating arrangement, you're worried about uh, the bread, the salad, the centerpiece. You, you're just worried about so many things. I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I, I think he's saying... You've got a lot of things on your mind right now. You are worried and you're, you're anxious about so many things. And, and to hear this, if, if, to listen to it in a compassionate tone that I, that I interpret Jesus to have had, to me it, it suggests that there's a lot more underneath this story and things that we have perhaps some direction in the Bible to figure out what things at least are a part of what she may have to worry about. I mean, she's not managing her stress well. As people will do when they're not managing their stress well, it will come out in strange places. Like trying to hold a beach ball underwater, right? You don't know where that's coming up, but it's coming up. And it's going to affect 
The surface is not going to be, it's not going to be pleasant when it comes out. So, so when people are, are trying to keep things together, boom, it comes out at you and it comes out this way. You don't know which direction. And, and people will say mean things. Jesus gets something said about him that's mean. And he doesn't even address it. Why? Because he understands that Mary's under a lot of stress and she's not managing it well. Why is Martha running the house? Have you ever figured that out? Why is Martha running this house? Who's not in this picture? Who's not in this picture? There's no parents in the picture. You notice that? Now maybe I could guess a lot of reasons. Maybe they were elderly and passed away. Maybe they died young. But she's managing the household. Now, if they died young, that makes Lazarus and Mary maybe pretty young. We all picture these as 30-year-old, well-adjusted adults. Maybe they weren't. Maybe Martha's kind of the adult. And these are the kids. And she's raising kids. Have you ever thought about that? Like, like maybe this is an unordinary family for, for what we kind of think in our mind. But these are real people. Maybe this looks like normal, everyday families that you and I are around. And see around us. Maybe this is kind of a weird situation. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing things out there. But she's worried about many, many things. She's got a lot of stress. This is kind of odd. Because we, we see two sisters and a brother living in the same house. We always see them together in the same house. So something's not right here. What else is missing? We don't. There's no spouses in the picture. Now, maybe Martha was single, or, or maybe she was married and, and, and she's a widow, but she's running the house. It's them. Why? What's going on here? There's something happening. She's got a lot of stress. Can you see a woman now with, with a lot of things on her shoulder? Maybe she's a type of woman that, that picks up responsibilities and, and, and she doesn't ask for help until... She can't control it. Ever been around those people? Right? They, they just don't ask for help. They don't ask for help. And they don't ask for help. And then when you don't help and you don't notice, then they're like, explosion. Why didn't you read my mind? Maybe that's her. I don't know. But she's a real person. And this is one of the things that afflicts, afflicts real people. There is a concern that we know of. A concern that happens just a few chapters later. What happens just a few chapters later? Something serious. Lazarus dies. What's going on? Why is Lazarus not holding his end of the deal? Because he's got a terminal illness. We have a woman raising younger siblings. One of them, the one person that could do and be a, a wage earner is sick. Does Mary have a, or Martha have a lot on her mind? Does she have a lot of legitimate things to be worried about? So Jesus is not insulting her when he says, 
you are worried about so many things. It's not an insult. Let's look a little bit deeper at this story and kind of refresh our vision of it a little bit. Jesus speaks with compassion because he understands. He's already knowing what's going to happen here in just a very short time with Lazarus. And so this phrase that she's worried about many things kind of takes on a new meaning to me. She's not a person that's self-centered. I don't believe. She's just feeling overwhelmed. And in the midst of this, she's trying to put on a good face and a good meal for Jesus. And she'd just like a little help. And so here's where I want to leave us with this story. I want us to develop some management skills as we leave. Just a couple. To adjust, not lower our expectations, but to adjust our expectations of other people. How often have I asked God to make people more like me? How often have I, have I, God, why can't they just fill in the blank or be this? And it's always things that I, of course, would consider very important. Because this. Our relationship is our relationship, Andrew. Your relationship with me is your relationship with me. Please don't confuse the two. So adjust. I said adjust. Don't lower. Here's where I put in a shameless plug for Wednesday night. Not this Wednesday. The Wednesday after we're doing our group um, Bible studies. And we're going to be kind of doing an exercise that involves this particular Lesson. I didn't plan it that way. It just kind of worked out that way. Uh, but so if you're in, you're all welcome. Of course, we're going to uh, do a little dinner, I think, probably around 630. A uh, brief dinner for those of you I know, kids and whatnot, and want still want to be able to, to come to, to Wednesday night. But uh, our Wednesday night small groups are going to all be together here. And I don't know the date. But... But we're going to do an exercise kind of around this idea. Of listening and, and, and being together as a group. I think it's good, especially as we, we start getting back together. But I want to leave us with one other idea. And this was hard for me. I had an older gentleman. It's actually Richard Merrill's brother. I began with Richard, and I'll end with Stuart. <laughs> His brother uh, was a missionary with us over in Ukraine, and he said, the urgent takes precedent over the important. Was what Martha was doing important? Yes, it was. But sometimes the urgent takes precedence over the important, and we have difficult because, what are you saying we shouldn't do this? This is important. Yes. But this is urgent. And sometimes it's important to drop the important for the sake of the urgent. And that's what Mary did. Deciding that something takes precedence does not minimize the value of something else. What, what Martha was doing was valuable. And Jesus is just saying, this is the better part. This is the eternal part. 
And so as we leave here, I want you to remember to dedicate, amidst all of the things that are very important that we do as a church and, and in your own lives and the, the, the physical things that just simply have to get taken care of, to remember that those things are temporary. And, and to remember that what is urgent is anything that has to do with an eternal significance. Our jobs are, are important. They put food on our our tables, and all those things are, are important. And we're, not, we're not saying, well, if you're thinking about that, then you're just not spiritual. No. That's the wrong lesson to take away from this. But the urgency is what is spiritual, whether it be fellowship, or whether all of the things that go into preparing us and making us closer to God as a group, those are urgent. We can't neglect those. And I hope that, that these two things, and, and um, that you look at the story of Martha, just a little bit different. Give her a little, give her a little room, um, and learn some of the lessons that I think she needed to learn.